Thank you so much for tuning in to Harvest Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're so blessed that you're taking time out of your day to listen to God's Word. And now, today's message with Pastor Ryan. Good morning, good morning, Harvest. How's everyone doing? Good. It's great to have you here this morning. Great to see you. Check, check. Am I on? I am on. So, sorry you got the double announcements there. We accidentally included the intro loop, but... It's kind of cool. We've included, I made that intro loop so that we can include it as part of our live stream and a part of our Roku channel. So we now have a Roku channel and with our new streaming service, we're slowly upgrading. Soon we'll be on Apple TV. Um, We've got a podcast through Apple Podcasts right now, which is just the, uh, the worship service that's over there. So pretty nice to be able to bring in some of these modern day technologies. And so that was our intro loop, just telling people about our church. So Kind of fun. This morning, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Most of the verses will be on screen as well. Uh, Just so happy to see you all here. Good to be together. So on the first slide here, I've got a map of where Philippians is. Philippians is in today. Well, it was back then too, but it's in modern day. (laughs) He's laughing at me. It's in modern day Greece. You can see um, the arrow pointing there. Uh, and Philippians was, is an amazing book. It's amazing that we have this ancient document passed down to us with great reliability and care, and it was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church that he had planted. And as I talked about, God had actually kept Paul from going south and instead said, you need to go to where I'm pointing you, He had a vision of a man, man of Macedonia, pleading, come to us. Well, ultimately, they arrived in Philippi. And that's where Paul began to share and plant a church. Uh, He was thrown in prison because there was this this gal who had been filled with a demonic spirit that was following him around, declaring things about him. And this is the Apostle Paul sent by Jesus. And it's interesting she wasn't saying like mean, nasty things. But no, it's just like, this is Paul. He's here proclaiming Jesus. And uh, ultimately, um, it said that Paul got so annoyed that he cast the demon out. Now, annoyance as a reason to cast a demon out. That's a new one, but it was interesting. And so this future telling spirit was cast out of this girl. And the, the, uh, not the parents, the owners, she was a slave. The owners were so angry. They created chaos. They created a riot and they had... Paul and his companion Silas thrown in prison over it. And as they were in prison, it it came to the midnight hour, and they were worshiping God and praising God, and God sent an earthquake. And this was a very specific earthquake, because all of the chains fell off of the prisoners. And so the jailer was freaking out, because if you lost prisoners, and you were on guard as a Roman guard, they would take your life, and they might do worse. He was about ready to take his own life. And Paul said, wait, wait, wait. Don't do it. We are all here. And the the jailer came and said, Paul, what must I do to be saved? And so Paul led him and his whole family to faith in Jesus Christ. You know what? That is how the Philippian church had its start. And so the point that we brought out in this sermon was that your suffering today is the seed of tomorrow's breakthrough. You might be going through something hard today, 
hard circumstance, maybe a sickness, maybe disease, maybe just a hard circumstance or a friend or family member is going through it, and you're suffering. Well, I want to encourage you that God never wastes suffering. He will always use it for his glory and somehow our good. Can I hear an amen? In Psalm 126, it says, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come back home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves or his harvest with him. In ser- sermon number two, we talked about more specifically how Paul was in this home-based prison. He was literally chained to a praetorian guard. And I love how he says in Philippians 1.13, For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows I am in chains because of Christ. In this situation, Paul could have been depressed. He could have been discouraged. He could have been saying, why am I stuck here? I've got the good news of Jesus to tell the world. God, why are you doing this to me? How many of us have said before, God, why are you doing this to me? I think at some point we maybe all have. But you know what Paul did? He flipped the script And he said, there is a purpose for my prison. And if I'm stuck here in jail, guess what? Everyone attached attached to me gets to hear about Jesus. I have a captive audience each and every day. Well, you know what? You maybe feel like you've been trapped before or are trapped. And I just want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, you have a purpose for where you're at. In the circumstance you're in, maybe it's a work circumstance, maybe it's a health circumstance, whatever the situation, God can use your trial. He can use your prison to bring about his glory. Rather than saying, oh, my coworkers are so annoying, I I just don't know how to put up with them. You say, you know what, I, I get to see these people every day. They're my captive audience. I get to preach good news of Christ and how I live and behave with my words each and every day. So family, there is a purpose for your prison. No matter where you're at today, we can all choose to live the kingdom way. Amen? Amen. Sermon number three and from Philippians chapter two was about humility and unity. And you know what? Those, those two go hand in hand for us to walk together as his people We must be willing to be humble just as Jesus was humbled. Paul says in Philippians 2 that although he was God, he chose not to take uh, take hold of his equality with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. He'd been pre-existing with them for all time up to this point, but he chose not to cling to it. It says rather he took the appearance, he humbled himself and took the appearance of a man, became a man, and as a man, gave his life unto death, and not just any regular death, a death upon the cross. And then Paul says, guess what? That should also be our attitude. Before God, for what he's done for us, we should humble ourselves. And then he talks about unity as brothers and sisters of Christ and the church. And you know what? The number one way to have unity is to walk in humility towards each other to consider others as better than ourselves. That can be difficult some days, right? (laughs) Certainly can. And yet that is what God asks of us. Last week, 
We talked from Philippians chapter 3. And Paul says, this was uh, the verse I wanted to really highlight. He says in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, all of you who are mature should take such a viewpoint. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Did you know the Bible teaches that God forgets your sin? He ch- and, and he's God, right? He, it's not like he forgot, right? He chooses to forget your sin. In Psalms it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Man, that's why we celebrate communion. That's, that's why any of us are actually here. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes, even though God forgets, we are not very good at forgetting. And you know what? If God can forget your sin, so can you. Right? Now, I'm not saying we don't take responsibility I'm not saying that where we need to make amends and and make it right, that we should do those things. But I am saying, once it's done, and you've gone to God and you've repented and asked for forgiveness and you've turned away, stop beating yourself up. And all the Scandinavians silently said, okay, all right. (laughs) I don't know, but I, I think potentially we struggle with this in our culture. At least I know it's been a struggle of mine over the years. But there is freedom, family, in being forgiven. There is great joy in being forgiven. And you know what? You won't be able to move forward in your walk with Christ if you haven't chosen to forgive yourself, as Christ has forgiven you. Amen. Philippians 4, today, I've titled this one, Your mindset matters. Your mindset matters. It starts in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. Man, Paul is proud of these guys. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Eodia and Syntage to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side, in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Did you know that this letter would have been read publicly to the entire church? What if your name was Eodia or Syntage? <laughs> Boy, I hope they got to hear the whole thing on humility before that. <laughs> right? I mean, like, calling out your issues in front of everybody. They probably had a little thicker skin back in the day, I'm thinking. But you know, it's too bad we don't know how Eodia and Sintajay responded to that. But I I pray that they took it to heart and that they made amends and began working together again for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Family, sometimes we are so easily offendable. And that is part of what's happening in our culture. We're so easily offendable. And in addition, people say really dumb stuff really easily now, you know? You could literally choose to be offended all day long. 
scroll, scroll, oh, scroll, oh, scroll, <laughs> right? I mean, you could be offended all day long if you chose to be. And, and I'm not, not saying that we don't have feelings. I'm not saying that we don't try to understand people. But I am, I am saying that Paul spoke to these two ladies specifically because he knew that the unity of the Philippian church depended on it. Family, when things are going well, the enemy of our soul loves to sow seeds of disunity and, and offense, which, if left untouched, turns into bitterness. And Paul says, see that there is no root of bitterness among you. Now, something else we're not always very good about is when we are offended, you can do a few things with offense. The first and easiest is to be like a duck and let it wash off your back. Right? But sometimes those shots go deeper. And especially in the church because we expect better of each other. And rightfully so. We claim to follow Jesus. And yet, we're not very good sometimes of going to our brothers and sisters and just saying, hey, what you, I don't, you probably don't even realize this, but what you said hurt me. And, and then allowing them to respond. Like if we took that step, we would be so much further ahead as the body of Christ in general. Amen? Amen? And, and I'm, I, I'm not a huge confrontational person. I don't love doing this, but you know what? It's pretty much gone great every time I've been like, hey, we need to talk. Let's, let's, let's chat about this. And, and by God's grace, um, man... It then gives that person the opportunity to apologize, to repent, to change, right? And so unity, and then it is the choice, and this can also be a very hard choice of forgiving. Okay, person apologized, and even if they don't apologize, which is often the case, we have a choice to make. Will we forgive or will we cling to the poison of bitterness? I've heard it said, you've probably all heard it said, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. It does not work for your soul. Your soul will be contaminated with unforgiveness. And I can speak from experience, okay? I can speak from experience. It took, it took me a, a while to forgive some folks. But you know what? We have, by God's grace, we have forgiven each other. And so there's, there's peace in that. There's joy in that. You can rest inside when you're not full of unforgiveness and bitterness. Amen? So, why was Paul so willing to proverbially throw Iodia and Syntyche under the bus? Because unity really matters in the church. Really matters. Verse 4, Paul continues, Rejoice in the Lord Always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Boy, these verses are ones we can cling to. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And this is the promise. 
the peace of God, which transcends or goes beyond our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I really wish it said, bring your request to God and he will say yes every time. But it does not say that. But you know what he promises? What his promises is even better. He promises peace. And what we need more than anything else is peace, right? And peace in our relationships and peace with those around us. But I, so I would say, I want to just hit gentleness. Okay, sorry, before I get any further, it says, let your, verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness is to be seemingly or suitable, equitable, fair, mild, or gentle. How many of you know that when you are worried or afraid or busy or hurried, it is very hard to be gentle towards the people around you? Right? Like if I'm on a mission, I don't want to talk to you. I want to get the thing done. Right? When I'm worried, I'm just upset about a situation. It's hard to be kind to the people around you. Fortunately, there's a lot of grace. But you know what? The solution is also right there. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. So do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, the Lord was never in a hurry. Even when some guys were coming up to him saying, Hey, my daughter is dying. Literally, she's dying. Jesus, you need to come. He'd be like, Okay, Lord, Father. Okay, let's do this. And he'd just take his time walking there. It, it, there is no place where it talks about Jesus running to his next assignment. Think about that. And we are a very hurried people. Very busy people. And I think if we were able to apply this to our lives on a regular basis, we'd be a little less rushed, and a little less hurried, and a little less worried. Do not be anxious about anything. And really the words that I think hold this section all together is the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And so because the Lord is near, I've got nothing to fear. Because the Lord is near, I don't have to be anxious. Let's go to the next slide, please. Because the Lord is near, I can walk in peace. Because the Lord is near, I can rejoice, even if my situation isn't what I want it to be. Because the Lord is near, I can... No anxiety might be a, a big stretch, but I can definitely be giving my anxieties to God and have less anxiety in my life when I remember the Lord is near. Because I know the Lord is near, I can be gentle to the people around me. Come on, family. The Lord is near to you. Uh, literally, the idea or the wording of the Lord is near in the Greek means the Lord is at hand. Another word is squeeze. It's like you can reach out and grab the shoulder and the Lord is that close to us. He is that near to us. He sees everything going on in your life and he is near you. And so you can walk with a little more peace and a little less hurriedness, with more rejoicing and more gentleness. And, and this is something, even this morning, I'm like, man, there's a lot to do this morning. But you know what, God, you're near. So I'm going to relax a little more today.
Isn't that a good thing? We need that. Come on. In verse 8, and, and this is where especially it goes, the idea that your mindset really does matter. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why does this matter? Because what we allow to live in our mind is who we, we will become. What we are allowing and focusing on in our mind is what's becoming in our heart. And eventually that will turn into what we say and it will turn into our action. We're always drawing closest or closer to our strongest thought. So is your strongest thought, Jesus, whatever you have for me? Is your strongest thought, Lord, I'm focused on you today, despite my surroundings? Or is your strongest thought something else? Again, going back to forgiveness, if you're thinking about everything that person that did to you that was wrong, guess what? Your heart will become bitter. You'll be a bitter person. If you think about money or stuff all the time that you either have or are wanting, you'll become focused on money. You'll become greedy. If you think about something wrong with you, your heights or your looks or your weight, guess what? You'll become insecure. If you think lustful thoughts, your mind will become perverse. Whatever you feed on in your thought life, family, you will become that, slowly but surely. But in Christ, guess what? We have so much good to think about. And that's what Paul was talking about. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Man, that's good stuff, isn't it? Think about... He says, whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And again, this is the promise. The God of peace will be with you. I don't want to become those other things where bitterness and lust and greed and where those things take you. Like, you don't want to become that. I don't want to become that. Amen? I want to become more and more like Jesus each and every day. And so I want to be thinking about things that are honoring to God, that are going to bless other people, that are going to make a difference in this world, that give me purpose and vision and hope. I love thinking about what can God do in Frazee, Minnesota? What can God do in the surrounding communities? What can God do through our church family? I love thinking about that kind of stuff. And you know what? We are slowly becoming more and more a family on a mission to transform Frazee and its surrounding communities. So what we focus on really matters. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen to me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul's saying, you know, he's not with them right now. He's in prison. He's talking to the Philippians. I'm not with you now, but follow my example. Follow my leadership. Follow how I've lived the example of right living, you know, and following Jesus' ways, again, it will bring you blessing, 
and it will bring you peace. The world offers us many ideas of where to get our peace. It gives us many ideas of how to be happy. But Paul says, follow my example. What was his example? Serving the Lord, sharing the gospel, serving other people, working with his hands. He was a tent maker, going around and sharing the good news, suffering for the sake of Christ. He's saying the Jesus way is so much more fulfilling than the way of the world. He says, follow my example and you will be blessed. Now Paul's going to change it back to his situation and how the Philippians came to help him in verse 10. They sent a gift through their, their friend Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus almost died as he um, was en route and delivering the gift. And so he laid down his life for the sake of the gospel. Verse 10 says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether I live in plenty or in want. Verse 13, he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's Philippians 4.13. Now, the, the whole context around Philippians 4.13 is contentment, being at peace with what God has given you, whether little or much. Um, I don't want to pick on Tim Tebow too much, but let's go ahead. You know, it's football season, right? No, Tim Tebow is an awesome man of God, really. Uh, but he's got Philippians 4.13 on his face there. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Family, I'm sorry to Tim Tebow and everyone else who puts four, Philippians 4.13 on their jersey, but I don't think Paul had in mind advancing the football down the field when he wrote Philippians 4.13. Uh, you know, and a lot of times people kind of hold on to that verse is like, God's going to help me with my progress. God's going to, you know, and there are verses that talk about that, all right? But not Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13 is talking about contentment. Now, if I was wearing that on my face, I might be content to just sit here and let the other team beat me up. I don't know. But one, just this is, this is a little bit of an aside. And again, I don't want to pick on anyone who, um, you know, has used Philippians 4.13 in this way. But it is a good point that what, how we look at Scripture and how we interpret Scripture, it's really easy to kind of cherry-pick verses and be like, ah, this verse means this. And the, the danger of that is that I can take a lot of verses and apply my understanding and my cultural context to it and make it say whatever I want. And that's not how we're meant to read the Bible. You guys got really quiet on me. I'm not, I'm not trying to beat anyone up here. So the real question is, in good interpretation, we should ask ourselves, what did it mean to Paul when he wrote to the Philippians? And that's why we try to do like bigger book studies because we, we understand Paul was in prison. We understand that he maybe had times of real want and need. And maybe after he had just received this gift from Epaphroditus, he was really well off in the moment. 
And Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him. All of this through him who gives me strength. And what he's talking about is being content. And let me tell you, we need that verse in our culture today. Even more than football players need it to make a touchdown. And so I just want to encourage you with that. Now, as you read scripture, as you are going through, don't forget the context. Don't forget to read what's before it and what's after it. Maybe try to do a little study into it. Figure out, okay, what did it mean to the original authors? What were they trying to get at as they wrote and who was receiving the message? And there's just a ton of good commentaries and Bibles nowadays that you can read that help you with understanding that context. And so that's the context, and that's really what Philippians 4.13 is about. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. What can he do? He can be content, and he can do it well. And that tells me that we can do it well as well. He continues on in verse 14. He says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. What are you talking about, Paul? You didn't want the gifts. You just wanted more credit. You'd want more credited to their account. And this just goes to the basic idea of when we are giving to God, the Bible teaches that we are laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven where thieves cannot break in and steal and where moths do not, moth and rust do not destroy. And Paul says, I want you to lay up for the next season of life, the eternal season of life as you give. I want more credited to your account. I love this saying from Lord of the Rings. Let's go. <laughs> we got Gandalf there. He says, I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. Family, God, when he encourages us to give to, to him, ultimately through the local church or whatever ministry you're give toing, you are giving to the Lord and you are laying up for yourself treasure in heaven. That's what it's about. And so we give, we give from a heart of, Lord, it's for you. We serve you, we honor you, we give financially to you. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul echoes this to Timothy. He says, teach those who are rich in this world. We live in still one of the richest places in the world. Not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. We're starting to taste that more these days, aren't we? Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. One version says so that they can take hold of the life that is truly life. I love that. Paul continues in verse 18, Philippians 4. He says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And that's how God views our giving, our worship, a 
fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And get this, he says, and my God will meet all your needs, not according to how big the gift was, not according to the giver necessarily, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Family, you cannot outgive God. I dare you to try. The blessings you receive from him, and no, they are not all monetary, but the blessings of joy. Man, it's fun to give. It's fun to see people in need and be like, I'm going to help with that. It's fun to be able to help with different causes and make something happen in the community. It's fun to be a blessing. But, so there's reward in that. And there's reward from seeing the people you're giving towards blessed. But there's also the reward that God's not going to leave you alone. If, if you give, he's not going to be like, oh, tough, sorry you. The promise isn't necessarily that he's going to make you rich, right? I'm sorry, but there's far too many preachers out there who have taught that message and they're just wrong, Okay. You're welcome. Now, if you live your life for Jesus and you faithfully give and you, you work hard and you apply godly principles, guess what? You will probably be blessed and God, God will take care of you. But we can't outgive him. In verse 20, Paul wraps it up. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. That's Philippians, family. Four chapters and a whole lot of good stuff in there. So the next time you have 20 minutes and you need to read something, reopen the book of Philippians. I pray that some of the depths that we've mined would come back to you and you'd be able to say, wow, God has a lot of richness here for my life out of this. And again, I'm just so very blessed that 2,000 years later, we have this book to go through and study and review. And we want to encourage you to join us for our life groups after this today. We're starting today where we're calling our sermon recap groups. They're going to meet in the children's church area in about 20 minutes and uh, invite you to join us and just take time to fellowship, get to know each other, go into the Word a little deeper. Uh, if you do have kids that you need child care for today, please come and talk to me um, if you plan to stay for the life groups. And that's about it. God bless you. I'm going to pray and bless you this morning. If you're on the prayer team, if you'd like to come forward as well, if you need prayer after this, Darren and Nicole are available to pray with you. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your Word. Lord, I thank you that it is life. And it is truth. God, it's something that we can count upon. It's something we can build our lives upon and we will not be disappointed. Father, I thank you for your people, Lord, that are here today. Lord, I thank you for your deep love for each one of them. Father, I just pray that you touch their hearts and minds this morning. God, draw them deeper into you. I pray that you bless their weak in Jesus' name, Lord, whatever their endeavors are. I pray, God, that they would see it not as a prison, but that there would be purpose in what they're doing, Lord. We bless your people this morning. All God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. God bless you. 
If you'd like to connect with Harvest Church in a deeper way, you can go to www.harvestfrazy.org or you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash harvestfrazy. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can give at harvestfrazy.org forward slash giving. God bless you. Thank you once again for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.